Hello. Hey, hey. Cool. There you go. Thanks, mate. Okay. All right. Love your work. Okay. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Thanks, kids. Love your work. You saved me. Thank you. Okay. So with the headphones in. All right. Sorry about all that, guys. I thought I had everything set up. I've got some. Uh, you got to do it again then. All right, boy. Yeah. Oh, no, it's done it automatically. Can you hear that? I do, yeah. I've got it here ready. Yep. Can do. Too easy, guys. I've got it on, mate. I've got it on aeroplane. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. <laughs> uh. Thanks. <laughs> thanks, Cassie. Hey, thanks so much for having me, Sean. I really appreciate it, mate. <laughs> yes, he's a he's a very funny man. We're uh, we're actually really good mates, Kevin and I. We go back a long way, but uh, a very intelligent man too, and uh, a huge country music fan. <laughs> yeah, he often he'll often ring up and uh, try and road test a new song or something that he's writing, or ring up my wife just to stir her up. He's uh, it's just so funny. Oh, thanks, mate. Thank you. Yes, timing's everything. Um, you know, record an album about uh, travelling all over Australia, and then that's the one thing we we're, we're not allowed to do. Yeah, that's right. It's, uh, I've had, um, you know, all sorts of different producers over the years and um, I just sort of thought, uh, you know, why don't I have a crack at it myself and, you know, it's, it's another challenge and a whole lot more work than I actually expected, um, you know, instead of just walking in and singing my vocals and then coming back and listening to the mixes, um, you know, when you're there from day one, there's uh, yeah, quite a lot of work, but I learnt a hell of a lot too. Yeah, you know, that's that's one of the things that I've learned over the years um, is no one, no one can hear what you're thinking in your head. And so in order to make it very easy for the band, and it makes it a lot faster, um, is to have a really good demo so that you can play them and say, this is what I want, and they get a very clear picture. And uh, that way the recording process just goes so much quicker. And, you know, you're guaranteed as an artist to get exactly what you want out of each song. Yeah, okay. 
<laughs> oh, thanks. Yeah, that's correct. I, uh, I actually went up to uh, Mackay um, to write a song with Graham Connors about my dad, who uh, spent a lot of time in Mackay, and it was still, till the day he died, he always said it was his favourite place. And so I went up there to write that particular song with Graham Connors um, called Lindemann again. And, uh, and we, we wrote that song and then spur of the moment thing, um, Graham said, oh, what's, what's the album about? What's it going to be called? And I said, well, I want to call it Songs from Highway One, but I, I still haven't written the title track, Highway Number One, and sort of told him how I had this vision after watching a, a show on caravan and camping and the huge explosion in, in sales um, over the last few years of caravans, camper vans, and not only sort of retired people, but also uh, young families that have decided to take their kids out of school and travel around Australia and homeschool their kids. So I just got the whole idea for this song. And when I explained that to Graham, uh, you know, we wrote that song together in uh, what seemed like about half an hour. <laughs> yes, yes. I don't know. I don't know if I'm Mike or Mel, but uh, yeah, so, something like that. And then, you know, as I mentioned earlier, the plan was to release that album in um, in June and then start the tour. Uh, that was you know halfway through this year, and of course by the end of March we were in total lockdown. And I had this album about you know travelling all over the country, and as I said, that's the one thing that no one was allowed to do. So it was kind of ironic. They say timing is everything. But um, anyway, we'll, we'll release the album uh, next year. Oh, that's all right. Liz, yeah. Yeah, it's... Mm, yeah, it even, he did actually, Dad uh, worked up there on a boat called the Elizabeth E um, and uh, he worked uh, uh, for, for a little while travelling around the islands and taking tourists out to all the islands and the Barrier Reef and, and it was his favourite place in the world and uh, I've always wanted to write the song and I think for me it's probably uh, personally one of the most um, just special songs because it, you know, it's all about dad and it was very sentimental when we wrote it. But um, I just thought who better to write it with than, than Graham Connors. Not only does he live up there, he's like the unofficial mayor of Mackay and he knows, he knows the boat and he knows the, the original skippers of the boat, Johnny and Bobby. And so he, he arranged for us to actually go out on the Elizabeth E and spend time with Johnny and Bobby. And they bought all these old photo albums and all these shots of dad in his heyday and when they were working on the boats. And so it was really special, mate. No, I had it, and uh, it was just just beautiful to do that. Um, but uh, it was it was a tough song to write um, because I, I was very emotional. But um, I'm so glad with the way it came out, and uh, and even Graham himself says uh, he said to me a few times that's one of the, his favourite songs that he's ever written. Mm. Yes, yeah. Oh no, but uh, he's he's a very talented man. He's he's wonderful to work with him. Yeah, that's right. And uh, uh, mum, mum met dad up there on Lindemann Island, and she used to run the hairdressing salon. It was just a grass hut back then. And uh, there's so much uh, history, and, and we've got such a great connection with with Lindemann Island and Mackay and, and the Whit Sundays. So it was lovely. In a way, it felt like I was um, 
uh, I was I was writing down their history. I was, you know, it was sort of a bit of a memoir, and it's uh, yeah, something that I'll, I'll treasure. And I know Mum loves it, and I'm sure Dad would love it too. <laughs> uh, yeah it is and uh it's once again it's a, a, a true story um and you yeah you and a mate of mine said used to say to me a lot a mate of mine from sony music he used to say to me mate you make the most of that time because you only get 16 summers and um, and I, I said to him, what, what are you talking about? And he said, well, mate, you've got those kids for 16 years. They turn 17, they get their licence, and then boom, they're gone. And there's no more road trips with mum and dad. And uh, so he said, make the most of that time. And it's, it's very, very true because it, on one hand, my wife and I now have this great freedom, um, you know, where we can take off and do what we want. The kids are 18 and 19. But, but often you do sort of reminisce when, you, when you're driving along and, and you think, yeah, they were, they were great old days. And, you know, you, you miss it sometimes. <laughs> it won't be long. <laughs> and I'm in nappies. <laughs> Mate, it's been fantastic. Um, it's certainly improved, uh, that's for sure. Um, there's a bunch of uh, musicians up on the central coast of New South Wales where I live, and uh, we were all going stir crazy. And, uh, and one of the boys suggested, well, why don't we all start playing golf every week? And uh, now it's, we're actually getting very competitive now. It's very serious. But uh, <laughs> the, uh, the golf's fantastic, and the fishing's starting to get really good too. Yeah, that, that happened by accident. Um, I was with uh, Lee Kernigan backstage on one of the country music cruises, uh, Cruise and Country, I think they call it. And uh, we just uh, sang together on the, on the main stage uh, in the theatre. And we were sitting backstage having a few drinks and I just got the guitar out and started singing some old songs. And, um, and Lee said, what about Ramblin' Fever? So we started singing that backstage and then um, I don't know whether Lee had had one too many shots or something, but he suggested we should go down to one of the late night honky tonks and get up and, and sing that uh, on, on stage. So we, we did that as well. And, uh, and afterwards he said, mate, we should record that as a duet. And uh, Lee, Lee loves Merle Haggerty, loves his traditional country music. And I just figured Ramblin' Fever, it's all about um, the passion for being on the road and, and that addiction that you get travelling. And, and I just thought, wow, that ties in perfectly with the album. So that all happened by accident. But uh, yeah, it was great fun. Yeah, I, I think um, when I first went on tour, um, I think I was about 17 and I was playing bass guitar um, and if someone said to me, you'll either love this or you'll hate it. And if you hate it, that you'll, you'll never do it again. But if you love it, it it'll get in your blood and, and you, you can't resist it. And, uh, and I just fell in love with being on the road. Chris Christopherson once said that being on the road is the closest thing to being free because you haven't got the hang-ups of every day and paying bills and doing groceries. You, every, every, there's something new around every corner and, and it's, it's very addictive. It's a real feeling of freedom. And, um, and to be honest, you know, with the lockdown, um, you, you don't realise 
what you've got until it's gone. And, and then you really appreciate something when you're not allowed to do it. And, and I've been going stir crazy, I've got to be honest, because I've been so used to just being on the move all the time at airports, flying, you know, driving on the road. And that when it's taken away from you, yeah, it, uh, it, it's a real shock to the system. As <laughs> well, yeah, my, my wife's looking forward to me getting on the road more than I am. Uh, she'd be happy. She's got my bags packed in there already, you know, just in case. <laughs> yeah, there's uh, there's a stack of shows, and we're always adding more, um, and, and that's that's going to be lovely. I'm I'm never ever going to take it for granted. Um, I, you know, once we can get back on tour and it's going to be so much fun to get out and play again and travel to a different town every night and catch up with a lot of the people that come to the same shows. Every time we come to their hometown, you know, we've got very loyal uh, followers. And uh, so it, it'll be really nice to see all the old gang again and spend a bit of time with my road family, with the band and give my family at home a break. Yeah, I was, uh, I was, um, my first touring gig um, was playing bass guitar for a, a female country music singer. Um, Karina Cordwell was her name. And, and she was doing a, a, like a double act with a piano player. And, um, and they, they were desperate for a bass player um, because their bass player had pulled out at the last minute. And uh, I got a phone call and Karina said, um, listen, I, I heard through the grapevine that you can sight read chart music. And, um, and I used to whinge and whine all the years. My old music teacher used to make me read music charts, you know, and learn, learn how to read music properly. And, and uh, it was because of that that I landed this gig. And that's, that's how I, I got to go out on tour. And uh, because a lot of the country music bass players back then sort of couldn't read charts. Um, and so, yeah, that was, that was the first gig. We were doing a, a country thing, playing a lot of covers and, and travelling all over Australia. And, and as I said, I just fell in love with it. <laughs> oh mate now you got me Jeez, the gambler was always the one it still is it still is you know and and to think um to think that song was an orphan you know no one wanted to touch that song which it's it's amazing when you do a bit of research into into some of the greatest country songs of all time it's amazing how often some of the biggest country hits were passed on and, and the gambler was a great example they they tried to sell that song to every tom dick and harry and no one wanted it and it was uh, purely by chance that kenny rogers producer said mate i think we should do this and timeless the gambler yeah yeah absolutely and uh, it's still to this day when you play that song young people old people kids people who don't even like country music it just, the whole place goes mad. Yeah, very true. And it's, uh, it's quite ironic to think that a lot of times it was just a pure fluke. It was pure luck that these songs ended up getting recorded and then going on to become some of our favourite country songs ever.
Um, it, it takes takes a long time. Well, it did for me, obviously, because I'm pretty dumb. <laughs> so, so a, a mate of actually Casey Chambers' dad, uh, Bill Chambers, he's a good mate of mine. And one day we were sitting there, and and he said, "I've known you for a few years," and he said. I can't figure out if you're brave or stupid. <laughs> I said, I said, I haven't figured it out either yet, mate. But, but um, it, it did take a long time uh, because I was heavily influenced by my dad's uh, music. Dad had a really big vinyl record collection and a stack of the old cassette tapes and always played country music. And it was, uh, you know, Willie Nelson, Johnny Cash, uh, Kenny Rogers, all that, and I was very heavily influenced by that stuff. And so, for for quite a few years, I I didn't write any of my own music. Um, and my argument was, well, George Strait never had to write any of his songs. Um, but as I got a bit older, and you know, finally people sort of drummed it into me. In order to be unique and and be different from everyone else. You have to be able to tell songs and stories and write these things from your own perspective. And that's what makes you unique. And, and I think it was John Williamson, actually, one day, uh, I was down at his place and uh, John Williamson said to me, never be frightened to write about something that you think only affects you or something that's only happened to you. Because he said, we all in life, we all go through similar things, whether they're ups and downs, weddings, funerals. And he said, when you write a really personal song from, from you know, deep within that, that's about something that's happened to you or affected you, he said, other people will listen to that. And he said, they'll, they'll be able to relate to it and connect with it. And, uh, and I know myself, you know, I've, I've listened to a song and gone, wow, that could have been written about me. You know, and it's funny how we do that. <laughs> Isn't that great? Mm. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I, I really do believe so. And um, I remember as a kid um, listening to Tom T. Hall, uh, he had a song called Old Dogs and Children and Watermelon Wine. And I used to listen to that over and over and over. And, and it was just such a beautiful story. And, and the, way, the way that Tom T. Hall almost put you in the room, you, it was like you were sitting there watching this thing unfold and, and such a beautiful song. And, and, and that's when I fell in love with songwriting. And, and I just thought, that's what I want to do when I grow up and I still haven't grown up, but that's what I'm doing. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, these days, um, when I was a bit younger, I was sort of a lot, I guess I was vague about my songs and songwriting. But these days when I turn up to a co-write, I have a really specific um, uh, idea in mind. Um, I'll already usually have a melody, a story, maybe the, the, the main line, the hook line of the song. Um, and, and it's a bit like we mentioned earlier when I go and record with the, with the musicians. You know, they can't hear what you're thinking. And, and the same goes with another co-writer. And uh, you can spend days and days just going around and around and around. But if you, you go in there, you're specific. Um, a great example is that song, um, Banded on the Run. Um, I rang Colin Buchanan and uh, I said, mate, I, I need a song 
the last song for the for the album, and I said I, I want it to be about a, a, an older couple, and the kids have grown up and left. And I said I don't want a soppy sort of a love story, but I want this song about this this couple that are footloose and fancy free. They've sold up everything, and they're just on the road, sort of sharing this wonderful story together. And I said, you know, it's like they're bandits on the run. And I and I told him I had the idea for you know they they chase the setting sun like bandits on the run. And I said to him, I'd really like it to be a bit like a, a Glen Campbell, gentle on my mind sort of thing with that rolling banjo feel, you know, and thing. Well, Colin Buchanan sent me a message half an hour later and said, here's your song. Incredible. Just incredible. And uh, t- truly, it, it was literally half an hour. And, and I got back to him and said, mate, you've captured that perfectly. So that's, that's how talented he is. But um, it just makes it so much easier for, for other co-writers when you've got, you know exactly what you want. <laughs> hey, that'd be nice. But my wife would like the royalties. Continue. Shoes and handbags. Shoes and handbags. That's what it's all about. She says. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Um, well, I've. I've but become great friends with Joy McKeon over the years and I've always really loved her songwriting. Um, and I just thought that that song would really tie in well with the whole theme about being on the road, um, especially for all the truckies out there. Um, and it's a bit of an iconic song and, uh, you know, also features, uh, you know, Golden Hill, uh, which is very famous. Um, and so I, I, Thought that it fit the album perfectly. And then um, I spoke to Joy about it and she said, yeah, she'd love me to record it. Um, and then uh, I actually rang her again and said, can I really stretch the friendship? I said, it'd be great to have Slim's voice in there um, at the end, just to sort of tip the hat to the king. And uh, and she agreed. So she did say, she said, you realise now that I've let you do this, I'm going to be hounded by every country music singer in Australia wanting to know if they can use Slim's vocal on a song. So she said, I'm only doing this for you just this once. And uh, I was very grateful for that. So that's really, it's a nice touch to have Slim come in at the end of the song. And, and I think it really fits in with it, with the album concept really well. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah, I think um, the cameo at the end is, is, is better. That was what I wanted. I, I didn't want to try and do the whole, whole duet with, with Slim right through the whole song. Um, Slim's done a lot of great duets with a lot of different country artists. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, I didn't get to do that. So I didn't want to sort of go the whole way. And, you know, I, Joy McKean might have told me to get lost. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Well, uh, we, I love Darwin. I fell in love with the place. Um, when I first went up there with Becky Cole, we played up there at the Entertainment Centre. Um, 
And uh, now we have a tradition where I go back up there every year and there's a group of musos, the same musos, we go back every year, usually around June, July, and, um, and we stay up there for about a week. We do a gig, we go fishing, we you know, get, have a few drinks and have a great old time. And, uh, and we were sitting around one day and I just got the idea um, for, for Darwin Nights because Darwin is a great place, but it's at night when Darwin really comes alive. And, and anyone that's been up there down the main street or out at the markets or, you know, it, it's, it's a real nighttime town. And, um, and I wrote that with a mate of mine who lives up there because um, I, I really wanted to get the local flavour and I wanted to make sure that we had a bit of uh, local knowledge when we were writing the song. Um, because the last thing I wanted was for people up in Darwin to say, this bloke doesn't know what he's talking about. He's never, sounds like he's never been to Darwin. So I think having that local knowledge um, just makes the song a bit more uh, genuine. Mm, yeah, that's right. And, uh, you know, things like NT time, I didn't, I didn't realise that the locals say that NT stands for not today, not tomorrow, you know. I didn't, I didn't know that. Um, but stuff like that, stuff like that sort of helps make it more authentic. That's mm. <laughs> that's the that's the attitude up there, though. As as you know, the attitude in Darwin, it's very laid back. You know, no one's in a hurry, and everyone's yeah, pretty pretty relaxed. Yeah, I, I tend to, to do that a lot. Um, and as I said earlier, when I when I watched this TV show about the caravanners and the camper vanners travelling Australia, um, I just thought, you know, there's a whole there's a whole group of people out there travelling around the country. Wouldn't it be great to try and write a, a, a bunch of songs to, to not only cater for those people when they're on the road, put you know, play the play the album while they're out there, but I thought it also might be a great um, great concept for people who have done that in the past. And I thought, and the other thing, we might encourage even more people to bite the bullet, you know, and hit the road and, and see Australia. And so, you know, I've featured different places around Australia that I, that I love, that I've been to, and, and just trying to convey that general idea of, um, of how great it is, how great it is travelling around Australia. It's just just amazing and the freedom and, and yeah, so... I, I, um, I've been lucky enough to do it for 25 years and so who knows, we might be able to encourage a whole stack of other people to do it but, but that's, the, that's the way it sort of works for me. The, the concept um, comes first and then I decide to write a bunch of songs to fit in with that, that concept. Yeah, that's that's the way I do it. I, I make sure I've got all my ducks in a row, all my demos are done, you know. So uh, when we go in, we record the album in you know three weeks, and it's done and dusted. Yeah, I, I 
Yeah, I do. I think I think that's as important as uh, as anything when it comes to recording an album. Um, you know, and and often you'll hear an album and go, "What a shame that that really doesn't fit there." You know, um, when when you listen to the tracks. But um, I do put a lot of time into that, and I think that's um, that makes a huge difference when people listen to 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 the to the whole album. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's right. And that, that was a bit of an odd one out um, because we were going to go back on tour together and we will again. Uh, we, we started out as the young stars of country, which was uh, now now Becky Cole calls us the old farts of country. And uh, we, we had this big reunion tour and we, we had a whole bunch of dates planned uh, for, for again this year, um, which will be I guess tied back to 2021 now, but um, uh, and so when Becky wrote that song and said, "How great would it be for us to have a song uh, together that we could, you know, get out on radio and, and it'd be a great way to advertise the tour and so to speak." And so uh, yeah, that was a bit of a last minute thing that, but so so nice to to sing again and record with those guys. I love them. Yeah, I, to be honest, um, I, I get a lot of ideas when I'm out touring, when I'm on the road. Um, and so what I do is I, I, I write them down or I sing them into my phone, uh, you know, ring myself and sing it into my message bank on my mobile phone or something. And, and then when I finish a tour, I, I find I have all these ideas on scraps of paper or recorded on my phone. It might be one line or a, a song about a place or whatever. Um, and then I sit down and, and go through all those ideas um, and... Most of the time, I think, God, what was I drinking when I thought that was a good idea for a song <laughs> and throw them away? They, they make the scrappy. But every now and then you'll come across one and think, yeah, that's that's not a bad idea. That could turn into a song. And, uh, and that's the way it works for me. I get the ideas while I'm on tour. I don't ever write the songs while I'm on tour. I wait until I'm back home again. I'm in my home in my little comfort zone and, and sit and write the songs. <laughs> yeah that's that's me um graham connors he amazes me he 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 says i am a songwriter that is my job and he gets up every single morning makes himself a cup of coffee and sits down and writes a song and i don't know how he does that but i could not possibly do that it's sort of when the idea hits then you know i quickly scribble it down that's it's a bit spontaneous for me Mm. <laughs> yeah, um, there's, a, there's an amazing book. Um, it's called Big Magic, and um, it's by a lady called Elizabeth Gilbert, and she wrote a book called Eat, Pray, Love, which was turned into this amazing movie um, but it's it's an incredible book and she talks about her opinion on how ideas come about and um, and she says that many many years ago um, people who came up with a really good idea other people said to them you were visited by a genius like a genie a genie gave you that idea and then in the French Renaissance 
that changed and someone that had a good idea, they weren't visited by a genie or a genius. People said, you are a genius. And she said, human beings can't handle that sort of pressure. And she said, that's why, you know, artists turn to drugs and booze and cut off their ears, like, you know, and crazy stuff. Because the pressure that's put on someone when you say, you are a genius, all of a sudden to keep coming up with these ideas. And if you don't, you feel like you're a failure. And her whole book is all about ideas are just floating around in the wind, you know, and, and every now and then one will strike you if you're lucky. Um, and she said, all you've got to do is keep the old antenna up and keep be alert. And, and it's a really, really incredible concept. And I, and I think she might be onto something, you know, I think, I think that that's, uh, it could be the way it all works. Yeah, well, there you go. It's a mm. okay. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> that's and that's uh, that's Tom T. Hall, one of my heroes. Um, Tom T. Hall once said that the most creative thing songwriters do is come up with reasons why they can't write, why they haven't got time to write songs. Um, but one of the great things about co-writing with other people is you become responsible and you, you book a time, you book a date, and then, you know, you've got to show up and write. And, and that sort of, it eliminates the old excuses. Oh, I've got to back the floor. Or, oh, I've got to do some washing or, you know, that, that goes out the window when you've, you've got a date booked with, a, with another writer. Mm, very, very true. And I must admit, I've never, ever come away from a from a co-write and not learnt something new. And when you work with other um, people, you know, like really talented songwriters, it's you, you just learn so much from them. And, uh, you know, I always really enjoy the, the process. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I um I went down and saw Mum. Spent some time with Mum, and um and she was cleaning out a cupboard, and we went through all these old photos, photo albums, and there was all these shots of of uh, myself and my sister and that when we were kids, and and uh, you know I started to to reminisce about those those great old days when you know you had to be home when the street lights went on, and there's just so much freedom, and and we just spent spent our days out riding our BMXs with all the local kids or skateboards or football and, and, and that sort of freedom, it, it's gone now, you know? I mean, parents are frightened to let their kids play in the front yard, you know, because the, you know, the world's gone pretty crazy. And, uh, and it was yeah, back before the internet and I just thought, it's such a shame that we can't, can't go back to, to when things were a bit simpler and, and in my opinion, you know, life was a lot more uh, innocent and, and I think a lot better. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It is, and uh, even you know when you break a break a leg or you know break your wrist or you know fall over and take all the skin off your off your knees or whatever, and and mum mum would say, oh you'll be right, you know, off you go, you'll be fine, you know. So it's it's a whole different world now, and I think I think we've lost something, you know. Even though we've gained so much with technology, we've actually lost. 
a lot more than we've gained, if you know what I mean. No, you can never go back. That's exactly right. And uh, who knows where it's all going to end up. Um, but, you know, you, you're a parent too, like I am. I mean, my kids are, are a bit older than yours, obviously. But, um, but you do worry about where it's all going to end up, you know, when, they're, when their parents, hopefully, when their parents or when their grandparents. I mean, who knows what the world's going to look like then? Oh, mate, that, that really means a lot. Thank you very much. And um, sometimes as an artist, you doubt yourself and think, gee, I hope people are going to like this. Have I, you know, have I come up with something half decent? But uh, that's really lovely of you to say that. And now the fun starts. I just can't wait to release the album and then actually get out on the road and, and play live again. Thanks, mate. Really appreciate the chat. No, no worries. Thank you. And uh, you've obviously done your research, but uh, yeah, thanks. Thanks for doing that, mate. Good luck with those kids. How old are they? Oh, yeah. yeah. You've got all the fun to go yet. <laughs> Too good, mate. All right, buddy. See ya. Bye.